Good morning. Welcome again to Lower Manhattan Community Church Online. My name is Logan. I'm the lead pastor here at LMCC. In a moment, we're going to get to hear God's word through Marcy Miller, our Minister of Spiritual Formation. But before that, I want to let you know about two announcements. The first is for those of you who are new to our community. Whether you've only been able to connect with us online or a friend or a family member kind of connected you to us, we want to know you and invite you to be a part of our church family. Because we believe that church is a family and that God wants you to be a part of it. And that we have a role to play in helping you know God and follow him with your life. And so we want to invite you to be a part of what God is doing here. And the best way for you to do that is to email Marcy. And so you can email her, marcy at lowermanhattanchurch.com. She'll help connect you uh, with one of our community groups that's meeting online right now or help you identify the next step that you're supposed to take as you seek to follow God. The second announcement is that after Marcy's message today, there's going to be a chance for you to receive prayer. We are a church that believes in the power of prayer and there is no request too big or too small. And so as you listen to God speak through Marcy today, I just want to encourage you to be open to receiving not just what the word is, but also prayer that God would do something miraculous in your life right where you're at. And so after her message, we'll share with you how you can join that virtual prayer over Zoom so that you can receive prayer today. But for now, here's the great Marcy Miller. Good morning, LMCC, from frigidly cold Texas. <laughs> we, we are living in the tundra right now. I, um, I saw a Facebook post that, that said, hey, Alaska, your weather's down here in my backyard and you need to come pick it up. Um, we are really cold down here. I think it got down to 15 below this week. Um, and we are not used to that. So, um, so hopefully things will get above freezing tomorrow for the first time in a week and we'll be on our way. I know for everybody in New York, you're thinking, what's the matter with you people? You didn't have that much snow. You're okay. Um, and for New York, this would have been a non-event. Everybody just kept right on going. Um, but for Texas, it's just a, it's just amazing how infrastructure is not set for these type of weather events. And so um, this week has been quite a challenge for a lot of people in Texas. So uh, prayers go out to all the people that are really struggling through this time and really hoping tomorrow as we get above 32 degrees, things start to get better for people. It's interesting, I've talked to you all before about the fact that when I'm gonna preach or when I'm gonna have a word for you all, God kind of makes me live it out. Um, and so lots of times um, it, the sermon comes from that, but it's interesting this time as I was writing the sermon, all this stuff started happening. And, and we're going to talk today about this idea of living water and what the Bible says to us about the idea of living water. And we're going to talk about that today. And, and it's so interesting because now, this morning I woke up and on my phone it said, you know, fill your bathtubs and fill containers because we're probably going to shut the water off. Um, and so I'm thinking to myself, okay, every time I get ready to bring a word to you all, um, God's got to bring it front and center in my own life and, and get right there with me. So I'm grateful for that. The lessons are... are um, are obvious from that and and I'm aware that God's trying to get my attention. Um, so it's, we're going to talk about this idea of living water today and what the Bible tells us about that. And I know um, through this last year and through a lot that's been going on, everybody's just feeling really dried and, and wrung out. You know, like there's just nothing left. I don't have anything left. Um, 
And so I've had a lot of conversation with people who are saying, what do I do when I feel this way? I just feel dried out. I got nothing. I'm done. Um, and some of us feel like somebody has actually stomped on us as well. Um, and can we recognize that God spoke about those feelings in the Bible, that he understands that and really spoke about it pretty in intentionally in the Bible because he knew this was going to be part of the human condition. And so he gives us ways to cope with those feelings um, and actually gives us a source to replenish that dried out feeling. And so there's lots of ways to talk about that. The, the Bible talks to us about this idea of living water in many different places. Water is the, um, the main mechanism that is used in the Bible to talk to us about life and about the way that people sustain life. And we know that. We know that we have to have water. You can go lots of, of um, days without food. You can go a, a long period of time without other things. But the body needs water. It, it's hard to go very long without that. And so the idea of physically needing water is kind of understood by all of us. We get that. We get that intellectually. We understand what that means. But I want to talk to us about the idea of spiritually needing water and what that means. It's just as important, if not more important in some cases, and we need to talk about that. Um, and I'm not saying that the spiritual water will replace physical water. You have to have that, and God knew that. And that's why he made water sources as part of his creation. But we have to have both. And I think sometimes we can miss out on that and that gets really unbalanced. And we can be hydrated in the physical and not hydrated in the spiritual. And so how do we, how do we balance that out? How do we make sure that we're hydrated in both areas? Because both are equally important for, for um, life as God intended it, for you to live as God intended you to live. So there's lots of ways in the Bible to address this, and, and you can go through and look at all the different ways to talk about living water, but I want to talk to you this morning about it from the story in John about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, and we're going to read from that in the book of John. The story has a lot of layered meanings in there, um, but we're going to look at the lesson being taught to her as she was receiving the water. There's, you could preach on John 4 probably 20 different ways because there's so much packed into that interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Um, and the idea of what he was teaching her and what he was teaching us through that. Um, so I encourage you to look at that story later and kind of parse out where God might want to reveal to you other things. We're going to talk about it today from the, the lens of she was receiving the water that kept her alive from this well, but then she gets to find out the source of the spiritual living water and what will keep her alive spiritually. Um, and she finds that out directly from Jesus. So I'm going to get my Bible real quick and we're going to go to John four. If you want to turn there with me, um, it's a, you guys have heard of this parable, uh, many times. It's a, you know, it's a story that gets talked about, but I want to talk to you about it from the source of, uh, being the source of living water for us. And so I'm going to read through it for you. Um, and then we're going to talk about it. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing, making more disciples than John. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near a field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because his disciples had gone into the town to find food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, 
and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where would you get the living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And the story goes on as he talks to her about a few other things. Sorry, I'm out of the camera shot there. Just putting my Bible down. The story goes on as he talks to her about some other things there. And there's many lessons, as I said, to be taken from that interaction with Jesus and the, the Samaritan woman. But it's so interesting that Jesus immediately talks to her from a place of knowing her and understanding what she needs and saying, yes, you need this physical water from this well. But if you knew me and you knew what I had for you, you would come to me to quench your spiritual thirst. And that's a place that wouldn't run dry. There's no chance of that well running dry. So as we look at that story and we think about Jesus telling her, if you come to me, you will get everything you need. We have to look at ourselves, look at our own lives and where are the parched places? Where are the places that we feel dehydrated? Where are the places where we have tried unsuccessfully to fill in? Because what God's telling or what Jesus is telling her is, yes, there's a purpose for that well water. It's important. He's not denying that. But it isn't the only source of water. And when you make other things your only source of water, you will eventually be thirsty again and it will never satisfy fully. So if we look at the parched places in our soul that we try unsuccessfully to fill and we think to ourselves, I feel dry, I feel unhydrated, where are you going to fill those places? And are we going to the only place that can fill them? Jesus tells us very clearly, I'm the only one who can fill that spot for you. So you were created by God, right? So it makes sense that your soul needs him to thrive. You can't live separate from the God that created you and thrive. You can live separately. There's consequences to that. But we can't live wholly and fully satisfied spiritually and physically unless we understand that the God who created us has a source that we need to tap into for that. So when we reject God or we don't access his word or we reject the truth that comes from that living water, it can't penetrate us. And so the idea that he was telling the Samaritan woman, if you only knew what I had for you, well, we got to find out what God has for us, right? That's important. What does God have for us? What is that living water that he speaks of there in John? What is that going to do for us? We have to spend time in the presence of God with the intent to be filled Right? There's lots of reasons to be in the presence of God. And one of them, pretty important as Jesus talks about there in John, is to be filled with living water. To let God pour into you all that you need to satisfy your soul. To hydrate your soul. Um, sometimes we need a drink. right? Sometimes I need a drink. Sometimes I need a waterfall. And I would venture to say that God will provide exactly what you need when you need it. Sometimes that living water is going to be a drink. Sometimes that living water is going to be a waterfall. I need the, I need the water to come rushing in. 
But we need to know how to ask. And then we need to know how to receive that. How do we ask for that? And then how do we receive it? The story of the Samaritan woman shows us that God already knows what we need. He knows us better than we know ourselves, right? He has the water you need for whatever your circumstances are. He has the water you need for your individual needs. He knows what he needs you to do collectively with the water. He already knows all of that. It isn't confusing to him. But being filled will require certain things on our part. We have to do certain things. We'll have to come to God ready to lay it all out there. To be able to receive. To say, I understand that you're a source that I need. I need what you have to give me. We'll have to understand that. It talks about this in Romans. Um, it talks about this idea of how we receive the living water. And it talks about in Romans 5.5. 5. I'm going to go to that with you for just a minute. It says, We know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. This idea of living water equates to this love God has for us. He has this love for us. He has this need to give us all the things that are going to make us whole. And that living water only comes from him. There's no other source for that. So I want you to think about this idea of, am I at the well? Am I at the well? Is there something I need? Is there a parched place? Is there a place that feels dry? What is our water jug? We're going to the well with something and we need it filled up. Where do I need water? So where's my water jug? Identify your water jug. Where, are we, where, where do we need water? Where are we feeling dry? We're taking that water jug to the well. Right? The Samaritan woman later in the story realizes that she's talking to God and she actually leaves her water there and takes off to go tell people that she's just been in the presence of the Messiah. She actually leaves the water there, forgets about it, right? She forgets that she was walking to get that water at the well. She leaves it there. It's interesting. I would venture to say that once we actually receive the filling from God, we might forget what we were originally coming there for. I don't know. Maybe not. But what did we originally come for? What did we bring the water jug for? Where did we ask God to fill it? And then he fills it with exactly what we need. And then we forget what we originally came for. Um, what are we trying to fill the jug with? Right? Look at your water jug and say, what am I trying to fill it with? Money, job success, relationships. What, right? We can go on and on. What am I trying to fill the water jug with? And none of that is bad. It's a, none of that is bad to have job success or to have good relationships. I'm not saying that. Uh, what I am saying is Jesus was clear that if you leave his source of living water out, the rest of it won't matter because you'll eventually run dry. You'll eventually run dry. Even if something seems like it's filling that space, you will eventually run dry. There's no way not to. So, what are we going to try to fill the jug with? And oh, by the way, if we went to the well with our jug and we met Jesus there, would we be able to set it down and just let him fill it with what he knows we need? Would we be able to say, Jesus, you are the source of the living water that I need and you know better than I do what I need and I'm going to let you fill the jug. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to absorb it into all the areas that you meant for it to be for me individually. 
How often do we see a spiritual truth in front of us and we just fail to take it in? Part of the process of soaking in living water is to be able to read the Bible and drink it in. We have to see it as a way to hydrate our soul. We have to use it that way, right? The Samaritan woman got to sit at the well and talk to Jesus. You get to sit in your house and talk to Jesus. You get to have a conversation with him. You get to get the Bible out and listen to his words. You get to hear his voice. We have to hydrate our soul. You have to see the presence of God and the conversation that you'll have with him as a way to hydrate your soul. You have to take it in that way. You have to absorb it. We talk about this, what is living water, right? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and hydrating us. It's, it's how he hydrates our spiritual cells to live our lives. It replenishes what the world takes away. The world will dehydrate you. It's just a fact. You're a human. And that's why the Bible tells us we have living water to rehydrate you because God knows that what the world brings to you won't satisfy. It won't do what it needs to do in your soul. And so the world will dehydrate us and we have a natural way to replenish that water. We have a promise already given to us in the Bible that whoever comes to Jesus will be able to drink the living water he will pour out on them. We, we have to look at that as a gift and we have to think about it to say, I'm not just reading the Bible to understand it and I'm not just reading the Bible so I understand the story. I'm not just reading the Bible to spend my 20 minutes every day and write lots of reasons that we read the Bible. None of them bad. Always pick up the Bible for whatever reason. But if we don't see it as water, right? As you get your water bottle in the morning and you start to hydrate in the physical, you get your Bible in the morning, you start to hydrate in the spiritual, Start to soak that word in, knowing that you need it. It's so important. Jesus goes on in John. I was reading to you from John 4 before. He goes on in John 7 um, to talk. He's at the Jewish festival of shelters, and he's preaching from the temple. And he's, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's talking to all the people who don't really believe everything that he said so far. And he's still, he's still telling them, these are the things that you'll receive from me. He's still promising them those things. And on John, in John 7, 37, it tells us on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Jesus was telling everybody, this is a critical part of your relationship with me. This is what I can provide for you. And anyone who comes will be able to drink. I won't turn you away. So living water is the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and hydrating our cells. And, and why do we need this? Because the only condition that, that the only way that we can meet the conditions of our heart is to soak this in. And the only condition you have to meet is need, is to want it. All you have to do is receive it. But you know, it's interesting. Why do we need this living water? Because we can't live holy and fully in our spiritual lives without it. But we have to know our own thirst. We have to create a thirst for it. You know, it's interesting as, as I've been watching the news this week, you know, you don't really think about water all the time, right? It's just not something you think about because if you need it, generally, you can get it. You can just get some water, 
right? We've gone all the way to the point now where you can get fancy water and, you know, all different kinds of water and, and flavored water and, you know, and so water has, is something that most of us don't see as a scarcity. Um, but we have to know our own thirst. Now you tell somebody you're going to take the water away or they won't be able to get to it. Man, the thirst comes, right? Okay. Now I'm thirsty. You weren't thirsty two minutes ago, but the idea that you wouldn't be able to get to it or there wouldn't be something to satisfy that can cause a little bit of panic, right? So we have to figure out what's causing us to be thirsty. And then we have to figure out how we're going to quench the thirst. And so we will have to develop a thirst for God's word. We'll have to develop a thirst for God's presence. We'll have to realize what we'll receive when we develop that thirst. When you go without water physically, you thirst, right? When you go without water spiritually, your soul will thirst. And that will start to manifest in different ways, right? Starts to make you sad and depressed and fearful and anxious and unsure of who you belong to and unsure of where you need to go and unsure of the decisions you're making. It starts to affect all these areas. If you think about it, Physical water affects all your cells, right? And can start to cause problems in your body. Spiritual thirst is going to start to affect those cells as well. You'll start to have symptoms from that. You have to look at that. Where is my soul searching? Where is it dry? Where do I feel the symptoms from spiritual thirst? I have to develop a thirst for it. Your body was made to live on water. Your soul was made to live on God. It's a fact. I'm not making it up. I just read it to you. The Bible tells you that. Jesus told you your soul was made to live on me. Jesus doesn't, he, he doesn't have what our souls need. He is what our soul needs. Believing in God is not a decision that we need to believe factually and intellectually. It's a decision to live off the spiritual drink given by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to abide in you. And I'm going to live off the water that you give me because it's unlike any other water. You know, when, when I was in Iraq, I remember, and it's interesting now, there's all these warnings now, right? Don't drink water that's been sitting in a plastic bottle in the heat. <laughs> and all of us in the army are like, what? We used to drink water out of a plastic bottle that had been sitting in 150 degree heat on the ground in Iraq and never thought anything about it. So anyway, it's always interesting how um, a warning will come out about something. You're like, oh, no, I've been doing that for forever. Um, but I remember in Iraq, we used to get those. It was a liter water bottle. You got one a day and you got to choose what you're going to do with it. Am I going to drink it? Am I going to bathe with it? Am I going to hoard it and save it? Or am I going to share it? You get to choose what you're going to do with that liter bottle, but that's what you got. And oh, by the way, when you got it, we just line up and you'd walk by the pa huge pallets of water sitting out in the heat. And so that water would be 100 degrees when you got it. And if you were going to bathe, great. <laughs> if that's not what you were going to do, nobody wanted the 100 degree water. So we used to put it, used to wet a sock. You put the water bottle in the sock you tied it to the rear view mirror of the Humvee and then you drove. And, and by the time you got to your destination, the water would have cooled a little bit because the wet sock had cooled it down a little bit. That sounds nuts, doesn't it? <laughs> That's, you'll do anything to get the water not to be 100 degrees at that point. Anyway, I digress. You, there's, a, there's a trick for you if your water's ever too hot and you need to cool it off. That will work. You got to tie it to your rearview mirror and drive with it. Um, here in Texas, probably nobody would even think anything about that. But it's interesting as I think back to that, 
there was a shortage of water and you got that one bottle and you had to make a decision about what you were going to do with it, right? Listen, there's not a shortage of water from God, but you do have to make a decision about what you're going to do with it, right? Are you going to drink it in and absorb it and put it into those parched places? Are you going to bathe in it and it needs to be a waterfall and it needs to just pour down and you need it to overflow at times? Right? Sometimes we would take that water bottle and just dump it over our head because that was the most relief we could get at that point. Right? Are you going to share it with somebody else? And we'll talk about that here in a few minutes about what that means to share that water. What are you going to do with the water you have? Listen, it's not a finite amount from God. It's never ending. It flows constantly, but you still have to decide what you're going to do with it. Left untouched left untapped, it has zero effect for you and for the people around you. We have to decide how we're going to access it. We decide what we're going to do with it. So how do I get the water? How do I get the living water? Well, you have to be thirsty. Jesus makes it clear. He said, whoever is thirsty, it won't penetrate your soul if you're not thirsty for God. Psalms 42 is a good way to measure this. It talks about this. David says his soul pants for God. Have you ever panted for God? Have you ever been that desperate for his presence and his source of living water? We have to cultivate a spiritual hunger, not a material one. Your body and your human will cultivate material hunger. That's part of being human. You don't have to worry about that. That will happen. You don't have to generate that. That's part of being a human. But God's telling us that you'll have to cultivate a thirst for him, right? Because spiritually... We can misunderstand the dry place and not realize that that's where we need to go to fill it. We have to understand that. One of my favorite books about this process is a book called River Dwellers. It was written by one of my seminary professors, and and some of you in the church have read it because you've heard me talk about it. He tells us that we have to live in a river. We have to be soaked all the time. And we have to have a mechanism to realize when we've moved out of the river and we're not soaked and we start to feel ourselves getting dry. You know how you come out of a river, literally, And you're soaked. And then as the air hits you, you start to feel yourself drying. Dr. Reamer, who wrote that book, River Dwellers, is talking about living soaked in the Holy Spirit and that you have to move back to the river consciously and deliberately and get re-soaked. Re-soaked. It's the only place you'll find satisfaction for your soul and begin to be able to pour it out to others. You have to stay in that river and get soaked. It's critically important. You have to have a mechanism to know I'm in the river and I'm soaked. And this is what it feels like to live fully in the living water God has provided me. And my spiritual cells are soaked. And then as I move out of the river through circumstance or human life or whatever goes on and I start to move out of the river, I feel the air and it's blowing cold. And I go, oh, wait a minute. I've moved out of the river. I got to scoot myself back over. We have to have a mechanism for that. We have to recognize it. It's really important to recognize it. We have to recognize our thirst spiritually in spite of sin and being a human and all the other things. John Piper, who's a a preacher, a lot of you might know, his dad told him one time, and I think this is interesting. I like this idea just to think about. It isn't hard to save people. It's hard to get them to recognize they're lost. You have to to recognize where you're lost. You have to recognize where you're parched. You have to write it down. You have to capture it. You have to say, these are the areas where there's no water. What do I do about it? Getting people to recognize their desperate need for God and see it as important 
See, it is just as important as the water that you're gonna go get out of your refrigerator or wherever you're gonna get your water from and put it into your body. Sometimes we don't see the source to drink, right? It's right next to us and we're walking alongside it and we just don't see it. God's like, I am walking you right next to the source. You just don't see it. We have to look for it. We have to be diligent about finding it. We have to know where it is. It's the ministry of the spirit within us that blesses us and fills us up, brings light and life to us and the world around us. We have to come to him and receive. It's not a one-time thing. But it will take searching out in our daily lives. God created you. So he created an unquenchable soul thirst that can only be filled by him. You have an unquenchable soul thirst. It can only be filled by God. You need to recognize it, identify it. When we find ourselves searching, we have to realize there's only one source. We need to come to Jesus. So what does that mean? That can mean a myriad of things. Spending time with him. Spending time with other Christians. Praying, worshiping, praising, spending time in quiet with him. There's so many ways to access our God. And he's not ever elusive. He'll be right there when you need him to be. David again wrote in Psalm 63. I love a a psalm. um, And and I love the ones that, a lot of them were written by David. I, I love the ones that he wrote. In Psalm 63 he says, and listen, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in a parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. And Psalm 63 goes on. I encourage you, man, that's a, it's such a great Psalm to listen to David say to God, I need you. I need what you have. The solution to my thirst is only you. God's the only one. The world will only show you the dry areas. God will show you where the water is. The world may give you a mirage of water, It will be unsatisfying, as many of you know. It's so interesting how we strive for something and strive for something and strive for something. And if we do it outside of God and outside of what he has for us, it becomes unsatisfying. And we wonder, this was supposed to be this great thing and I worked so hard for it and I did everything I was supposed to do. And why is it unsatisfying? Because it was done outside the river of living water. You weren't soaking it in what God has for you. And there's no way for it to be satisfying when it's done separate from that. So we talk about how we get filled with the living water, right? What is it? It's the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and hydrating our cells through all these different ways to interact with God. And now that we're filled, we're not done, right? The Bible tells us that we have to give it away. We have this inner craving that is always craving something. But what we're, what we're saying is the implication is that the inner craving will be satisfied by the indwelling of the spirit. The rivers will flow out of us. Listen, it's not just for you. It flows through you to hydrate you and make you spiritually healthy and able to receive everything God has for you. And then it has to flow out of you to a world that is thirsty. The world is a barren desert. People are dying of thirst all around you. Maybe not physical thirst, but they're dying of spiritual thirst and they're searching in all these places. 
to fill in those parched areas of their soul and they have no idea where to find it. You're the answer to that. You're the source. You can show them. But you have to be filled first. You have to have a thirst and a hunger for God that makes you go after that infilling like it's your job. And then you get filled up and then you're able to flow that out. You and I are supposed to be rivers of living water to the people who are dying and in need. That's why God created you. As they see Christ in you and they want what you have, you can tell them how you come to Jesus and drink. You can explain the process. Lost people desperately need only what we have. Only what believers can explain to them. So the rivers have to flow into you and soak you and hydrate you. They also have to flow out to other believers, especially to those who even even other believers, especially if they're dry in places and they're not recognizing it, you have to flow out. So first we have to get the living water. Then we have to release it. The Bible tells us the world is a desert. You are the source of the water. It isn't just for you, right? You've got people who don't believe and, and they need to be able to see the source and where do I get these things. But then you also have people who have just trouble accessing their own hydration. They do believe. They just have trouble accessing that hydration. If you've figured that out, if you're moving further down that path, man, reach back there and get somebody and say, come on, I'm going to show you how to get in the river with me. Courtney's having a, the kids go through a book called Imaginative Prayer. And for those of you all who have gotten that, I encourage you to do that with your kids. If you don't have kids, I'm telling you, that book, Imaginative Prayer, it's by Jared Patrick Boyd. You should just get it anyway. It's really fantastic. Um, but there's a great illustration in there about this topic, about how I fill my water bucket and I go and give it away. And, and amazingly enough, when I come back, my bucket was refilled. And I can give it away. And amazingly enough, it gets refilled. God will work with you in that process to fill those water buckets. I love that idea God fills us and then we're able to give it to someone who can't access it as easily. And then we come back and get filled again and then we can give it away. I saw this illustration about the Dead Sea and it was talking about if water only flows in because it's so salty, it will just stagnate and it won't produce any life. But if the water comes into the Dead Sea and flows out, then it'll produce a constant flow and then life can live in there. It can produce life. We are supposed to produce life, kingdom life here on earth. And the only way to do that is to be filled with the living water that only God can give to hydrate your cells and to let that water soak in and to absorb it and to go back when you need more and to let it flow out of you. So you can't not access it because then you're living barren and dry. You can't bring it in and leave it there because then it can't produce the life it's supposed to. It has to flow. So you have to access it. You have to hydrate yourself and your spiritual life and your spiritual cells in the way that only that can do, then you have to let it flow out of you to others. That's the whole point of it. It can't, it has to flow. So what do we do in response to Jesus's promise here? He says, if you come to me, I will fill you. Listen, we have to honestly assess the degree to which living water is within us. We have to look at it. Do you have living water flowing within you. And if you don't, do you know where to go to get it? You have to go to Jesus and drink. If you, if you have to admit that it's more like a trickle, that's okay, right? It's a trickle. Then we have to make it a priority to be satisfied and to get to a place where it's coming in in the way that it should. We've got to open those faucets. We have to walk in the spirit and ask him to fill us. And then lastly, we have to get the focus off ourselves and onto those that we can bless with that living water. We have to pray that 
that living water would flow out of us into a thirsty world. You know, so what do I do with all this? I understand that intellectually it's like that sounds overwhelming. It's not. It's so easy. You ask yourself, am I accessing the living water? And to what extent? If I'm not, I'm going to go ask for it. Jesus said, come and ask. That's it. You don't have to do a 17 point PowerPoint. You don't have to go build something. You don't have to do anything. You have to come and ask. That's it. Ask him to fill. Sit there long enough to to be filled. Let it absorb. Use the word and the scripture and the praise and the worship to soak into the cells of your spiritual body. Look at it that way. I'm using this to soak in. If it's a trickle in my life, how do I turn on the faucet? Do I need more prayer, more community, more worship, more praise? Where am I spending my time? Am I spending my time on activity that will get me in the river with God? Or am I spending my time chasing things that don't have anything to do with the river of living water? And I'm just walking further and further away from the banks of that river of living water. Where, is, where are you in, in reference to the source? Where are you at? Look at the map of your life, right? In the army, anytime we went anywhere to do anything, we knew where the water source was. How far away am I from a water source? How far away am I from a water source? Always. We always knew that for a couple reasons. Do we have to traverse the water source? And we needed to know that. But how far away am I from a water source? Because we can go without food, people. We can't go without water. We have to have it. So spiritually, we have to say to ourselves, how far away am I from the water source? Where is my water source at? We have to walk in the spirit and ask him to fill us. It isn't hard. We just ask and we spend time there. And then we have to realize the water is for you to get fully hydrated and then see to the extent that it's flowing off of you so that others can, can, can access that. I don't want your spiritual life to die off from not being used. It has to flow into you and out of you. Your spiritual life is a whole, is a holistic picture there. How am I spiritually hydrated and how is it flowing out of me? Your spiritual life can die off in a lot of ways. One, we're not accessing it and we're not hydrating ourselves, but it'll also die off if we're not giving it away. It has to be a process. It has to flow. You have to see yourself as thirsty and begin to recognize the thirst in you. Then recognize the thirst in the people around you. I encourage you to get into the book of John and read through chapter four, read through chapter seven, see what God says about this source of living water and what we need and how he was teaching those people. And as you're reading it, absorb it in. It's like God pouring the water on you. It's going into your spiritual cell. It's hydrating you. It's getting into those parched places where you think I'm dry and I'm wrung out and I can't do this anymore. I got nothing. I got nothing to give. I'm dry and I can't give anything to anybody else. That's right. Stop. Because if you were dry physically, you would stop and you would do everything in your power to go find that source of water and get it into you. And if the people around you were dry physically, you would be doing everything you could. You guys are so lovely as a church family. You can't believe how many text messages I got over the last few hours saying, what do you need? We'll do it. And I know you will. I know you will because all of you want to do for the others around you just like you want it, You want what's good for you and your families. And I understand that. This is part of it. We have to want to fill ourselves and have a thirst for God and then we want to pour it out. It's so incredibly important. We'll keep talking about this topic as we go along. I'm excited about it. 
For those of you who have the imaginative prayer book in your house, I encourage you to read the section. I think it's lesson 11 that talks about the buckets of water. Such a good illustration in a children's book, right? Of how we should be moving water through our lives. I don't want you to miss out on anything God has for you. I don't want you to miss out on anything he has for you. And I don't want you to live in a parched place in your soul when it's unnecessary. God can fill it. He can hydrate it well beyond what you ever thought possible. And he can make that place that's parched and dry into something that produces life and is is better than we could ever have thought of. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the source of living water. I just pray that we access it. Pray that we come to you, to your scripture. We come to you in prayer. We come to you in praise. And we open those areas of our soul that are dry. And we allow you to pour in the only thing that will hydrate those areas. It will only come from you. I'm excited to see what will happen when we as your people realize this need and this thirst for you. And we start to fill ourselves and our soul from your source of water. To live more fully to live with more hope and more excitement, to live with more intention to those around us. Lord, just give us the energy to sit and take in all that you have for us and then give us the clarity of where you want that to flow out of us. We're so grateful for everything that you've given to us. Lord, I lift these your people up. I ask for joy this week. I ask for hydration this week. I ask for them to feel 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 filled up in a way that they haven't felt before. I ask that they're able to access you in a new way. They're able to feel the Holy Spirit dwelling in them and reworking those areas that they thought were lost or that they thought were closed off. But you're able to come in and pour out that living water. We love you and we praise you. We're grateful for this time with you and together. We lift these your people up to you in your son's holy name. Amen.